Happy Tuesday, Nova Nation, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, we got some good news yesterday, some yeah. exciting news. The polls came out, and around lunchtime, pop open my internet browser, constantly refreshing to see when it updated. Finally, you see the brand new AP poll, and the first name I see, number one, numero uno, at the top of college basketball, are the Villanova Wildcats. Coming back to number one. And fun fact pointed out by Brendan Riley, we have now been ranked number one for 15 weeks over the last three seasons. And that's more than any other school out there. All 351 Division I college basketball teams, we have surpassed them. And not only that, we've doubled second place. And in second is Duke and Kansas, and they've only been ranked number one seven weeks over the last three seasons. So it's always great to beat a blue blood, but it's also always great to be number one. We'll see how long that streak goes, but we are back at number one. Chris, your thoughts on waking up to a nice surprise of being number one, because I did not expect number one, two, four, and five to all drop. And we got to see Duke and Michigan State fall in back-to-back days this past weekend. It was a really weird weekend yet again in college basketball. I feel like the top teams are just dropping like flies nowadays. I feel like every every weekend you're getting at least a, at least one top five team to go down. Yeah, we beat Marquette, but technically a perfect week with with just the one win. We really backed into this one, not so much beating an, a great opponent that leapfrogged us all the way up, kind of like how West Virginia moved all the way up to two, or how Virginia moved up to three after they beat UNC, and how West Virginia beat Oklahoma. We kind of were just sitting at three and everyone else above us fell and we're like okay sure we'll take it why not back at number one it's funny to think that just two years ago that this team this program had never been ranked number one in the regular season and now it's like a birthright like you mentioned with 15 weeks in the past couple of years speaks volumes of how much how great this program has been the past couple of years yeah it's certainly a great run and like you said yeah you look at duke i feel like no matter what happens, they, they just get number one to start. The the preseason poll mm-hmm. just gives them number one, so it's like they get a head start. But I'm just surprised that they've only been there for a combined seven weeks over the last three seasons. And it's great to see that Villanova's on this run. Like you said, it was just so unattainable before that 2015-16 season. And I guess it was the true start of something magical. That same year, we won the national championship. And now, look at us. We're just consistently number one more than any other school out there. All 350 other schools out there we beat them and it's always nice to have that little number next to your name and also of course when people have to say yeah the number one Villanova Wildcats 52 first place votes no question there no contest West Virginia they got 12 and the Virginia Cavaliers really making a nice season nice run so far and they've risen all the way up to number three they have one first place vote wonder who voted for them might have been Tony Bennett. I don't even know if you could vote for yourself. Probably not. Oh, wait, no, it's the AP, so it's probably AP. some like Charlottesville reporter. Yeah, something like that. And then Michigan State at four, Purdue and Wichita State tied at five. Duke is seven, Texas Tech at eight. Oklahoma, number nine, and Xavier drops to number 10. If they just took care of business and they just didn't sleepwalk they against would've... Providence, we could have we could have been looking at like a one and three or like a one and two or – you know, yeah. a nice top five matchup, but no, unfortunately, that's not what we're going to get today. Yeah. Or tomorrow, rather. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We got a little robbed there, but that's all right. 
or, or one, they're 10. It's still a high profile matchup in that regard. So, and hopefully, I mean, if Philadelphia does win, then that kind of hopefully will bump Seton Hall up. So then when we eventually face them, they'll be higher ranked and maybe we can get a good matchup there as well. Yeah, definitely. Four Big East teams are ranked. You have Villanova, Xavier, as we mentioned, and Seton Hall also there at 13. Creighton has squeezed back into the rankings, just taking that bottom spot, rounding out the caboose with 25. Looking at the receiving votes, so there's no one else. So Butler has officially dropped out of the, the bubble mm-hmm. or the landscape of the rankings. So here we are. It's us and three other Big East schools against the world. Yet again, it's funny how Butler just shoots the lights out against Villanova and then and one week, and they're the darlings of the NCAA for for at least a couple of days, and yeah, then like they days. play. <laughs> and then they play Xavier and Seton Hall, and I I, don't, I know the Seton Hall game was at home. But I don't remember if the Xavier one. Was Xavier was at uh, Centos. Was that it was at Centos? Okay, but the one the Seton Hall game at Hinkle, you would think they would win that after the performance against Villanova, and they couldn't even beat Seton Hall. So it's just it's just an absolute crapshoot in the Big East right now, and I love it. Rock, paper, scissors. Yes, yes, exactly. What most people don't know is that Villanova wins most of the time. It's like rigged. It's rigged in our favor. <laughs> it's rock, paper, scissors for everybody else. Yeah, it's like it's like remember when you're like a kid, and it's like rock, paper, scissors, and then someone pulls out the finger gun. It's like what's that? Oh, like, yes. oh finger gun. I win. It's like what? Oh. Well, was the finger gun the big one in Dobbs Ferry? We had in North Haven the um, what was it, like a rocket or something. Oh no, yeah, we or yeah, volcano, we volcano. That's what it was. <laughs> I've never heard of that one, but yeah, it was finger guns for us. Yeah, no, Volcano. Oh, that trumps everything. All right. All right, cool, I guess. Thanks. I didn't know that was an option. Not right. You're not cool enough to know that's an option. Oh, yes. No, that got thrown around, too. You had to be. Oh, I'm sure it did. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember riding the cheese buses to school and playing rock, paper, scissors, and other games back then. Sometimes you could learn the ways of the Volcano if you traded some Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was also a thing. It was t- treated as currency. But. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or or shiny Pokemon cards. Yes. <laughs> Two. God, I forgot about those, dude. It's nice to see us move up because we had a pretty nice weekend. We took care of business, bounced back. You give up 100 points to Butler, and then you go back, and then you put up 100 of your own, and it's a nice feeling because we beat the Marquette Golden Eagles 100-90 to 90 on Saturday night. Chris, you're one of the crazy people that braved the cold to come out and support the team. And I Did you even tailgate? Did I hear you tailgate? Uh, we did tailgate for a little bit. No one else was tailgating, which I guess was due to the cold and the fact there was no students, which was disappointing uh, that no one else was tailgating. But we, we, we braved the elements for a bit. It looked pretty filled on TV. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you can speak about what the atmosphere was actually like. But the game was nice because anyone who was able to brave those elements, brave the cold, bundle up, take the car down, take everyone down, you got to see Jay Wright's 400th win as Villanova's head coach. And he's moving closer and closer to Al Severance. He is now only 15 wins away from officially taking over the other Villanova coaching legend. And Chris, you were there. Just what were your thoughts on how Jay Wright's 400th win as a VU head coach went? Game-wise, I kept saying all last week that they were going to fix the defense. And Marquette's a good offensive team, but they'll still stop them. And they won't allow such 
great three-point shooting and such a dynamic offense to go off again. And they still gave up 90 points, 56 of those coming in the second half. I, I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit concerned now. I don't know if this defense is just going to magically turn on a switch and just start playing well again. I don't know. Yeah, Marquette shot just 35% from deep, but they had a lot of open looks. And if it wasn't for Andrew Rousey, who had absolutely horrific horrific game i think he got benched like for majority of the second half he had at least four open shots that he just bricked hauser's same thing even marcus howard was missing some open shots but he still dropped 37 by the way he's he is phenomenal even better in person but there was just so many missed assignments bad double teams no help on the weak side no adjustments to the ball movement by marquette still collapsing toward the middle and no transition defense too there was a couple of moments there when marquette was like kind of was in striking range it was within 10 to 8 points and they would be on transition and they would like come down the wing and do like a little pass back for open three and they missed luckily but like those are the type of shots that if you hit like as a a team coming back like you're going to come back because of all the momentum you have and if you play like that on the road and they hit that three you're 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 done like you're you're going to be hosed that's kind of why Butler kind of went the way it did. I felt like the home environment was able to mitigate it a little bit even though there were no students there and yeah, it was still kind of full. The lower bowl was mostly packed. The upper deck was a little empty, but it was dead there for pretty much the entire game. So like you, you really couldn't even get like a crowd to like really a little bit of a pulse to get them going. But yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk about the offense, but I, I just leaving that game, I felt worse than I did going in just because the defense just doesn't look right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I know you were really optimistic about us turning around defensively. I was a little more apprehensive coming to this game because we know the type of team the Marquette is. It's running gun, up-tempo, shoot them up, sleep in the streets, just as much as Villanova, maybe more. This is a team that just prides itself on offense. It's going to put up shots. It's going to score quick, score on runs, and it's just so dangerous offensively with a weapon like Marcus Howard, who coming after a 52-point game drops 37 on a top-five team in all of college basketball. He's for real. I love the job that we did on Andrew Rousey because he's another top two biggie scorer. He pretty much did nothing, was only two for 12 on the floor, six points, nowhere to be found late in the second half. For me, I I never felt that the win was in doubt. I always thought that Jay was going to get his 400th on Saturday night. I never felt like we were really going to be in trouble just because Marquette doesn't even pretend to play defense. So I was looking mainly at the defense and how the defense would handle going against all these different Marquette shooters, all these different Marquette weapons. This is a team that just shoots the ball so well between Marcus Howard, you have Sam Hauser, Rousey going in, and then you have some of these younger guys coming off the bench like Greg Elliott, Sakar Annam. Ultimately, I, I felt a little worried. I felt a little worried just for Wednesday, for tomorrow, because I never really felt the win was in doubt. I thought we would pull away. It was yeah. just a matter of how many points were we going to give up to Marquette because they weren't going to yeah. stop us. We, right. As much as they have so many weapons, we have so many weapons too. We just try on defense. They don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was basically the difference. And, and Marquette was pretty sloppy with the ball, I felt like. Uh, they, they had quite a few uh, turnovers there. Regards to the defense, it's the same stuff that you saw against Butler. It's just missed assignments collapsing on the, to the middle and no help on the weak side. It's it's absolutely ridiculous because they're not this bad defensively. We saw in the beginning of the year they're not this bad defensively. I don't know why all of a sudden this is. And I hate to say it, but Mikhail Bridges against Marcus Howard like for a little bit, 
that that wasn't working out well. Marcus Howard was still he was still putting up points with Bridges on him, and there was at least a couple of times that I saw Howard drive by Bridges. I'd like to say, Dante also had a lot of missed assignments on defense. I felt like he was just all over the place. He had his head spinning. I'm at a loss of words because of how bad he played defensively. I don't know what to expect from Dante anymore. He's so inconsistent right now. And it's just, I I just don't get why. He played a phenomenal game coming down the stretch last year. Even the start of the year, he wasn't really that bad. I thought he was doing fine. But these past couple games, ever since Big East play started, I thought he was pretty bad against Butler. Paul, I guess, fine, I guess. But now it's just, it's getting out of hand. Like I would expect him to improve at this point instead of, you know, taking steps back. Bill Booth was another one that looked a little questionable on defense. But overall, the team just, they, they just don't really seem to vibe on that side of the court, which is strange because we peak against Gonzaga we really shut them down at Madison Square Garden there were all these questions about how Villanova would do and we outdid their defense we did such a great job locking them down Jonathan Williams did nothing now all of a sudden Butler is giving us a hard time DePaul is able to drop 85 and now Marquette's dropping 90 Marquette Howard well I called Marquette Howard but Marcus <laughs> Howard is able to drop a drop 37 points on such a good team like what what is going on and it's yeah I don't know if you saw the Philadelphia Inquirer column by Mike Jensen, but he basically wrote how the key for this Villanova team is its defense, which couldn't be yes. any more true. <laughs> couldn't be any more true. Yeah. When we're when the defense is locked down, when it's on, it's great. It got us a victory in Atlantis. It got us the win over Gonzaga. It's got it's carried us to so many good things. And yeah, there's the old cliche: defense wins championships. But if we want to even play for a championship, we're going to need to start cooking on that end of the court again, For whether it's forcing turnovers, locking down on guys, taking away top options, taking away secondary options, locking down on the perimeter. Jalen Brunson said in that column, the biggest thing that this team needs to work on right now is their communication on switches and on operating on that end of the court. And midway through the season, I, I was kind of hoping that communication would definitely be kind of ironed out you know it's one of the things you want to iron yeah. out at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. just when when to switch when to double team when to do this i would have mm-hmm. thought that you know communicating would be fine i i felt like villain was usually good at that but at this point in the season it troubles me a little bit to see us so vulnerable on defense yes. which i guess you could say it's better now than in march when the stakes are really raised higher mm-hmm. but at the same time Come on, like this yeah. is a team that this is a team that's supposed to be the king of the Big East. Yeah, the Big East is getting stronger and better and tougher, but DePaul shouldn't be putting up eighty-five. <laughs> that's true. Butler shouldn't be shooting sixty percent on you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, some of it was like a fluke, but how many guys were wide open in that game? Just uncontested. So many. All day to shoot. Could have taken a lap around the court and back, and then shoot the shot and be still open. And now you have Marquette dropping 90 and Marcus Howard dropping 37. The one positive, though, is I loved how they locked down on Andrew Rousey. That was good. Yes. And I also like the play of some of the other guys. You know, obviously, Jalen Brunson. (laughs) What what else can you say? I mean, the man just has a big game every time. And I think he really masks a lot of our problems just because of how well he operates on both ends of the court. 27 points, 8 assists, only had 2 turnovers. He also had that nice ankle breaker on Marcus Howard dropping him to the yeah that was fun yeah yeah (laughs) yeah third straight game in which he's crossed up some guy and just had that highlight play but Mm -hmm. what really impressed me was the play of Demir Cosby Roundtree off the bench 
Yes. He was fantastic. He's just mm -hmm. such a – it's really refreshing and really nice to see a young big man on a Villanova guard you team do well right out of the gate. We saw how long it kind of took Ochefu and some other of the bigs to just really develop in recent years. But you just see Demir Kaz Roundtree, and I feel like he's just sprinting, bursting out of the gate. Then also Eric Pascal did yeah. – this, what what happened? All of a sudden, <laughs> he found his three-point shot again. He's actually getting people to bite on pump fakes, and now I feel like he's completely unlocked the court. He's unlocked what he can do on offense. This is their Pascal, I imagine. The right. one that was going five for six, three for three from the three-point line, and putting up 19 points. Yeah, he, he hit those first um, those th first two shots of the game, both of them threes. And I was like, all right, we actually might be in, be in for a pretty good night offensively. When he's hitting threes, and the rest of the team will. It, yeah, the big, the big guys played real well. I was really impressed with DCR. The inside game, he had a few nice post moves um, to get some buckets. He also had, I know he had one out of you, but I don't remember he had another one. He definitely had that one, which was pretty nice. That was a nice feed. That was phenomenal. And then Brunson. There were at least four to five assists there where he had like beautiful vision like passes you wouldn't expect him to make you would think like oh he'll just throw it to the corner or just back to the point but no he threw it right like it was like to a cutting guy or it was just a great find what's uh whatever it may be and they would go up for an easy layup i thought he, he played phenomenally offensively even bridges did some nice things offensively he had 18 points 6 of 13 shooting i thought he played fine offensively defensively i thought he was and as I mentioned before, and Spellman didn't do anything. I was really shocked at that. I, I don't know if I was missing something while I was watching the game like in person. I don't know if they said on TV. I, I don't know if he was hurting or in foul trouble or Jay just didn't like the matchups. I, I don't know if you could possibly explain that a bit, uh, why Spellman didn't really get, get that much burn. I think overall, like, he's been slowing down again. He's been a little bit of a rut. We all saw how great he was in that Temple game. It was the Omari Spellman that we finally saw unleashed. He was great against Temple, great against Hofstra. DePaul, he was okay. But then the Butler game disappeared. And then the Marquette game disappeared physically and figuratively. Like, I felt like he just wasn't really making an impact on the floor. He wasn't really doing much. And it was a little disappointing because Marquette doesn't really have a front court or at right. least one that's pretty formidable since Luke Fisher graduated and obviously Ellenson from a couple years back is gone. So right now it's just a bunch of no names and such a backcourt heavy team that I thought that he would go off against Marquette, but I guess not. I don't know what it is. I think it's Jay just kind of sat him just because he's not doing the right things, whether it's not doing the right things on the floor or just not really having an impact on the floor when he's out there. That's why he ended up on the bench again. and. This is kind of similar to Atlantis when he just wasn't really doing much. But mm. yeah, the Marquette game was actually the lowest amount of minutes he'd ever played this whole season, only logging 14. Yeah, uh, thanks for clearing that up. I actually, I just disregarded it. Like, I was just there. You just want your team to win. You don't really focus on like things like that. Yeah, I, I was wondering why he disappeared. I couldn't tell why. It, it was really weird to just see him not be involved. I thought they would want to stretch the floor with him for this type of game. Like you said, Marquette not having a strong inter uh, interior presence, I thought they would want to use him as well. Uh, yeah, that didn't really make sense, but I guess that's just what happens when you're not playing well. And also just one thing I want to bring up. I know it's another negative. The way they closed out this game really aggravated me. There was a couple plays where they should have just let Marquette like take the deuce or just do whatever, like just step out of the way, kind of just let him get the easy basket. And then they would foul. I didn't understand that whatsoever. You get, and they would make the shot, obviously. And so they're getting an and one. That that 
boggled my mind. And then there was another time or two where they went down the court and they were moving with 20 seconds left in the shot clock. Just kill the clock. I don't understand what they were doing. They have no late game awareness. I was really, really shocked at that and disappointed by it too. Because I, I thought that you can at least figure that out by now. Like if you're up big, let the team score and then just get inbound the ball and shoot your free throws. Don't hack them as they're going up and then cause them to get an add one and then they're trading threes for twos. That's not that's not how you close out a game. And then on the offensive end, taking bad shots again early in the shot clock. I did not understand that. Yeah, the last couple of minutes were definitely tight. Villanova never trailed in the whole game, and there was a point where they pushed the double digits, and then Marquette came back, and then it was like, all right, back to single digits. But then they pulled away, and it seemed like, oh, okay, this was it. Like, you know, the second half, we could just kind of coast, or they'll take care of business, and we won't have to worry, and then it's onwards to Xavier. But that's not exactly how it happened. Marquette just puts together that last second, last minute run, totally procrastinating, and all of a sudden, they're like right back into the game. Yeah, I thought that Villanova didn't slow down enough in the last, about I guess, about three, four minutes onwards. Like, we were just going for quick shots instead of just milking the clock. Right. But the other thing, too, was that final 60 seconds of the game felt like a half hour. I don't know if anyone yeah. was timing it. I would like to know if anyone has the official time. Please inform me on how long it actually took to play that final minute, minute and a half. But if there was a good thing about that stretch is that we're able to knock down those crucial free throws at the very end. In that final minute, we were 11 for 14 at the charity stripe to put that game away. And it's good to see because if we were just bricking free throws left and right, they would have been right back in it for sure. Mm -hmm. And then who knows what craziness would have ensued. But we took care of business at the free throw line. Sure, closing out could have been a little better. Or maybe, you know, just take their life chance away earlier. But hey, we did get the win. We did score 100 for the fourth time this season. Now, Chris, mm -hmm. onwards to that big, exciting game tomorrow night against the Xavier Musketeers. Tip-off is at 8 p.m., and it's going to be on Fox Sports 1. Now you've seen them live and in person, mm -hmm. and you're watching them throughout this whole season. This was one of the games that we had circled on our calendars before the season even began. We gave our opinions before the season, and now here we are one day away from it actually taking place. How do you feel about this game now? Very, very, very uneasy. I, I just, just, I'm, I'm very thankful that this game is at home. If we were going into Cintas, I mean, I had them losing in Cintas already, but like if this, if this was going into Cintas after the way they've been playing, I'd probably feel like severe underdogs. The fact this is at home, make, it eases my mind a little bit. Actually, it eases it a lot because we've played Xavier very well at home for the past couple of years, pretty much all of them. I've been blowouts from what I remember, especially the last two. So that's very encouraging. Also, Xavier coming off a bad loss against Providence. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, part of me is like, oh, well, you know, Xavier's going to come out guns blazing and be angry and they want to get revenge. And this, they've been, they've had this game circled on their calendars forever since the start of the season. And, and Mac's not going to let them lose two in a row. But then at the same time, like, well, this is basically the same Xavier team that lost a bunch down the stretch last year before going into the NCAA. So they're capable of free falling. So, not exactly sure what to expect from that. Just before even looking into the stats, just as a gut feeling, I think they come out ahead. But I'm just, it's literally just because of home court. But, it's, man, it, they're going to need to step up the defense just a, a lot to, to really do what they're really capable of and really to make sure Xavier doesn't have any plans of a little bit of a minor upset here at Wells Fargo. Ken Palm predicts Villanova to win 89 to 79 and gives them an 83% yeah. chance of winning. That sounds awfully high. 
doesn't it? It does. Just <laughs> it, 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 83%. Like, <sighs> yeah, it does feel a little bit high. I guess it's also a little bit inflated just because of how Villanova's been playing lately. But if you look on the flip side, Xavier hasn't even been that great either. Yet, they're coming off the upset loss against Providence, and they look like trash in that game. I don't know if you got to catch it at all, but Xavier looked very unimpressive. And I think it was finally that low point because since mid-December, they haven't really been looking that great. They blew out Colorado on December 9th, but then ever since then, every game after that, they've looked underwhelming. Yes, Villanova's looked underwhelming too recently, but this stretch just goes back further than this current cloud of uncertainty that just goes over Villanova. If you look at Xavier, they blew out Colorado, but then after that, they needed a last-second comeback effort to beat East Tennessee State at home, coming back double digits in the second half. Then you had the Marshall game, which looked like a nice tune-up before they went on the road to play at Northern Iowa. They ended up barely squeaking that one out, 81-77. to Then they beat Northern Iowa, who we beat at Atlantis. They go on the road, play them there, win by 10. But then they just beat Marquette by four, barely beat DePaul by five. DePaul was in the game until the last couple of minutes. And then they barely beat Butler at home, even though they were ahead for most of the game. Butler was just right there with them, just didn't put up enough baskets. And then obviously they lose to Providence. Was not a pretty game. Trayvon Blewett was nowhere to be found in the second half. I don't know if that carries on into this game. There is some concern, but I look at Xavier and they don't look like the big bad machine that they're supposed to be. It's definitely a scary game for tomorrow night, and I'm still not exactly sure how I feel about it. But just to look at Xavier's roster, Trayvon Blewett, we all know what he's capable of. He's a guy that can literally be a game changer. He's a walking scoring machine. He can drop 30, he can drop 20, he can carry this team. He can be. He's definitely a difference maker when they want him to be or when they need him to be. J.P. Makura, I feel like this is one of his better years. He's kind of dropped off at the three-point line a little bit, mm-hmm. but I felt I feel like he's a much better scorer and he's a much better complementary piece to Blewett. I feel like he's working with Blewett a lot better than he has in the past. And then you just look at some of the other guys on this team. Tyreek Jones has been playing well lately. Uh, Karim Cantor, Ennis's brother, has been yep. had a really nice game against Providence, even though they lost. Quentin Gooden, Najee Marshall, all decent guys. They have a lot of nice pieces around them. But if you ask me what I think about this game, I feel like it's changed every hour depending on the time of day. Xavier's been underwhelming. We've been underwhelming defensively. We beat Marquette because they don't even pretend to try on defense. God forbid we go up against a Marquette team. Did actually put some effort on that end of the court because who knows what would have happened because we gave up 90 to them. This is another big game. This is at home. Home court advantage does mean a lot in college basketball. I don't know how much because none of the students are in town. They're still away for break and it's a Wednesday night. I think I could be wrong because this will probably, again, change in a few hours. The more I read it or the more I look at it, but I think oh, it's so hard. It's so you, hard. You want to say Xavier is going to win, don't you? Don't you, Eugene? <laughs> <laughs> this Xavier team is going to come in very inspired. They don't like the fact that they just lost. 
They were probably sleepwalking on a Saturday morning, thinking that they, you know, get let's get this win here, and then let's go right to Villanova where we really have to try. But they just got punched in the mouth, didn't expect it, and now they're angry. And if they weren't already angry coming into this game, they're going to be even more angry. I know what I said way back when, when I said Villanova was going to go undefeated until February 4th. And we all know that didn't work out because of Butler. And I don't think it's going to work out because I think we lose tomorrow night. Wow. This this defense has just been scaring me. And look, if we gave up 90 to Marquette and that was the test, like I thought we would have won that either way. But mm-hmm. to give up 90, that was a little that was a little shaky. Yeah. There is no reason that Trayvon Blewett can't also have a game of his own. And then who knows, because he actually has guys around him. Right. That's true. And guys that play defense. <laughs> that's that's also true. But their offense isn't as good. I mean, it, it's not as good as Marquette's, but I mean, they do have more complementary pieces, but their star player is a little I actually know, but I'd, I'd say it was just as good as Howard. At least maybe not right now, but overall. Yeah. I, I will say if this if this helps. Ken Palm ranks Marquette as the 14th highest offense in offensive efficiency, and Xavier is right right ahead of them at 13. Really? Unlucky number 13. Yeah. Wow, I wouldn't ex- have expected that. Okay, you just scared me even more. Yeah, honestly, the only thing preventing me from p- picking Xavier, and like I know you said they they've been underwhelming, and obviously Villanova has been underwhelming, but the way we've played them the past two years, and I know it's different teams, but at home and and the way we beat them last year is basically smacking them down both times. Seeing the matchup well against them, they seem to do just much better against them than any other te- like high-end team in the Big East. So that's why I'm going with them. But obviously the, the recent performances are scaring me from even considering a slam dunk Villanova win. I also wouldn't be surprised if Villanova just comes out tomorrow night and just laps them around. And then before you know it, it's like a 15-point game. Just like it was last year, I felt like Xavier at home was hyped up so much, and then we ended up just beating them. And then the game, and then the game before that, obviously we beat them by thirty, but that also included a scary injury by Edmund Sumner. Right. But uh, yeah, I do see where you're going with that, and that was like another reason why I was leaning towards Villanova for like a little bit. But I don't know. This this defense has me very worried, and you have you go against another great offensive team, one that actually tries on defense, one that actually. <laughs> plays defense as opposed to the Carmelo Anthony Golden Eagles. <laughs> we'll see how Villanova handles. This is another really nice test because it's not going to get easier from here. It's about to be a really rough late January, early February. So we'll see how they do here because after this, they'll have St. John's, Georgetown. That, that'll be fine. That'll be okay. Granted, those games are on the road, but yes, yes. Uh, I think they'll be fine with that. And it does suck a little bit. Because I feel like we got robbed with uh, Xavier losing the Providence because, yeah, it's still like a top 10 matchup or whatever it may be. But at the same time, you would have liked to have seen like one versus two or one versus three, which Xavier could have been if had they had not lost to Providence. Yeah, this could have easily been a battle of top three ranked teams. But unfortunately, we're not going to get that. It's so nice to see the rank as high as they are. But God, if this was a top three, top four type matchup, this could be big time. Yeah, it would have been great for the Big East. I mean, you had that last, not last year, two years ago. We went to Cintas and it was one versus five. That was also a midweek game, I believe. It's a shame that these games can't be like primetime Saturday or just or like midday Saturday. We get like a lot more viewers. But yeah, Wednesday night, I think it's the way the scheduling is. But yeah, this is still a great game between two great teams. Once again, tip-off is at 8 p.m. tomorrow night on Fox Sports 1. We'll be watching, and I'm sure everyone repping the Nova Nation will definitely be watching as well because it's going to be a real exciting game 
and we'll see what happens. This can this can have some pretty big implications on where we are towards the end of the season. But let's keep an eye out for that. And now we will turn our eyes over to the women's basketball team because they also have a game tomorrow night. They'll be taking on our favorite friends down there in D.C., the Georgetown Hoyas, because we definitely don't hate them. But they'll be playing the Hoyas tomorrow night at 7 p.m. The game will be on the Big East Digital Network. Villanova had a nice win, a nice bounce-back win last Friday night when they hosted Xavier at the Jake Nevin Fieldhouse. Really dominated against them, just really left no doubt at all. And it was good to see them get that bounce-back win to now even things up at 2-2 two two in Big East play because they got they had that ugly loss against Butler also. But to see them come back and just overpower Xavier 75-57, to 57, that's just awesome to see. And it was also really good to see Adriana Hahn and Kelly Jaycott really they really looked like they were they were able to get back in a really nice groove again. Jaycott had a game high twenty one points with five rebounds, six assists, and Adriana Hahn also had a nice decent game for herself, double digits. One thing that is a little scary is Janet Tucker did go down in the second half with an injury. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. But this Georgetown team is very interesting because Chris, I don't I don't know if you caught our notes, but if you look at this Georgetown team, it's like looking into a mirror because they literally lost two of the same Big East teams that we lost to, Creighton and Butler, but they also beat the same two Big East teams that we beat in Butler. I mean, sorry, Providence. in Providence and Xavier. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny looking at that. It kind of makes this hard to gauge a little bit. I mean, Georgetown out of conference they weren't exactly the best. Uh, they were five and five non-conference. Now they're two and two in the conference. So that puts them at seven and seven, exactly five hundred. So they, they're very average team per se. Diving into the roster a bit, their star player is Diana White. She's averaging seventeen point nine points per game. Not exactly the most efficient scorer though. Shooting thirty eight percent from the field and. 29% from deep, not exactly the best. Uh, and even her free throw percentage isn't that great. 70, it's fine. It's passable, 76%. Next down, going for points, Michaela Venson averaging exactly 14 points per game. She's shooting a little bit better at 43% and 38% from deep. She is their resident sharpshooter. And lastly, Cynthia Petke averaging 11.4 points per game. She's shooting 41% from the field. 31% from deep. Those three are the only three about averaging more than 10, more than six points on Georgetown's roster. Defensively, they do play good three-point defense. Teams against them are shooting 32% from deep. Again, got to see how that goes for Villanova. But offensively, they're, as a team, shooting under 30%. So they're going to do most of their work inside. So we'll see if uh, Villanova is up to the test there. With that being said, I think they should probably win. Georgetown isn't exactly an offensive dynamo, as I mentioned, with bad three-point shooting. Not exactly the best shooting at all. They're shooting as a team 37% from the field, averaging 62 points per game. And defensively, they're averaging 58 points allowed. But I think Villanova's offense is much better than that. And I think their offense will do better than most Hoyas opponents have. And I think they should go into Georgetown and come away with a victory. Yeah, I don't think this should be too much of a problem for the Cats. I think as good as Georgetown is, yeah, Deanna White is probably one of the best players in the conference. She is a scoring machine, another 5-5 shooter that can't really let her size appearance fool you because she does grab boards. She's one of the top rebounders, 6.6 per game. She can turn over the ball a little bit too much, but she's also a great defender, great two-way player. She gets buckets. She's been one of their go-tos for a while. Michaela Venson has just been fantastic in her first season with Georgetown after transferring in from Virginia. 
really adds, really unlocks the three-point line for them. Really good sharpshooter. Cynthia Petke is interesting. She is a forward that can stretch the floor out a little bit. Not all that reliable from deep, but she does take the shot and she can make it if she's left wide open. Almost averaging a double-double. But another player to watch for who doesn't light up the scoreboard at all. Doesn't really make an impact on that end. But Dee Dee Burton, she is a guard who is literally out there to be just like Tony Allen. Defense. All defense only. She's one of their starters. She scores barely anything, if that. Just under four points per game. But she just generates turnovers. She creates steals. She gives this hard-nosed defensive effort that seems to give opponents a hard time. And aside from that, she's also a great facilitator, boasting an assist-to-turnover ratio that's almost 3-1. to one. Almost 4-1, to one, actually. So she's a great player, one that you should really look out for. She'll most likely be on Adriana Hahn or Kelly Jaycott. So we'll see how they do against her. But yeah, other than that, I think Villanova should win this one, get that nice road win, and go back to above 500. Yeah, you hope that they do come out on top here because Villanova did take a little bit of a tumble in the polls. This is the first time they're not ranked since beating Duke a few months ago. Received 49 votes, but that wasn't good enough to crack the top 25. Green Bay edged them with 51, so just two little votes there. So hopefully a win against Georgetown can start making uh, – we'll hope Villanova make up some ground here. Yeah, it's interesting. Villanova, 2-2 two and two in the Big East. They fell off. They're just two votes shy of hitting 25, losing to Green Bay. But if you look at the rest of the polls and the rest of the receiving vote section – you only have Marquette there, and they only have five votes, which is interesting because they're considered to be one of the best Big E schools out there. But you don't see Creighton there or Butler, and they beat Villanova. They're not even receiving votes. And Creighton's doing well, uh, specifically them. But I'm just surprised to see that they're only two Big E schools right now. Villanova's still representing the best. Marquette, I guess, now is in right there in hot pursuit. Hopefully that they can get a few wins. They can start to get back on track put together, shrink together a few wins, get back on the rankings. Or maybe this is the moment they needed. Maybe they needed this humbling moment to just kind of realize like, man, we've been kind of taking this whole rankings thing for granted, or we've been just taking our success for granted, kind of coming into games, maybe thinking that we're going to win it just based on the matchups on paper. But unfortunately, games aren't played on paper. And as we saw, they got that disappointing loss against Butler that ultimately costed them their their right to stay in the rankings. And then the loss to Creighton earlier, although that didn't knock them off too far down. So hopefully they can start to really string together some wins. Maybe this could be the wake-up call they need. Like, this is a tough Big East conference. What we did in non-con was nice. It was great. It helped us build to get to this moment. But we still need we still need a lot to do here if we really want to make a tournament. Because I'm sure the tournament is their goal just making it there because they haven't been there since 2013. We'll just have to wait and see. Tip-off is once again at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. They're going to be down in Washington, D.C., taking on the Hoyas. It'll be on the Big East Digital Network for those of you who can't make it to the game or just want something to watch before the men's and Xavier team tips off. So, you know, you want a little little pregame, want a little something to get you in the basketball mood, basketball spirit, root on for Harry Pretta squad, the women's basketball team, and the Lady Cats as they take on Georgetown tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Just be one hour before the big Xavier game tips off. So hopefully both teams can pull out with some wins, but we'll see. For now, let's look at the mailbag. Once again, you can always tweet us at SONNPod. You can ask us your questions, ask us anything. We will answer them. There's also always the 
comment section. You can leave them there and your questions, your messages will find its way to us and we'll discuss them and talk about them just like this. Jerry Quinn had a question. How much more playtime will Tim Delaney get this season and is he improving? Well, you hope it's minimal because he has not looked exactly the best out there and it's not, not really his fault. To be honest, I, he he's battled through some severe injuries, real severe injuries, especially with the hip, and he just hasn't been able to stay on the court, and probably hasn't had a lot of actual game time. He hasn't had any actual game time in years past. This is like brand, not brand new, but it's 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 just a whole different environment, and he's asking to fill a role that he really wasn't expecting to probably fill in the beginning of the year as a seventh or eighth man, technically, with Gillespie and Samuels out. So don't think he's going to get much playing time because in the Mar- Marquette game, there was one defensive series I think he had, and it was they gave up a three, and it was horrendous. The only way I see playing time increasing for him is if Samuels and Gillespie are officially out for the year with the injury or with uh, by declaring a re- injury redshirt. It's tough. Tim Delaney has not really had the type of career anybody would have wanted you get one injury that ends your season your freshman year and then you come back and you get injured again and you're out for another year virtually he came in with the same class as Jalen which is very weird to think about I don't know him and Dante all coming in together yes it's kind of strange when you <laughs> when yeah. you kind of remember like oh yeah that's right they did come together and they were part of one class mm-hmm. at this point I don't know what exactly his role is now I feel like he's there to just soak up minutes you know help alleviate some depth issues or just kind of help give someone a break or, mm-hmm. you know, give him a little test around to see how he's doing. But the thing is, is that I feel, I, I find it really hard to gauge if he's improving because he's only out there for like three minutes at a time. He's not really out there for any substantial periods where he can really make an impact or do anything. I will say that he did have a really bad closeout against Marquette. Will Shreveport pointed it out and I was like, oh, wow. You know, I never really noticed that. It's tough. I would like to see him get better. I mean, the man has just been robbed of like a what probably would have been a pretty decent basketball career or like a career as a role player for the Wildcats. Just at this current moment right now, I just really can't see him, his role just really expanding too far beyond. I could be totally wrong. It could be like that one game when Dylan Painter just came in and scored like 12 points and had like eight boards. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's somewhere in the fold for him. But right now, I think he's just out there just kind of alleviating some depth issues, put in some fresh legs out there, see how he does. Maybe if he does better, warrant some more playing time. And then if not, pull him back like they have been doing. I don't know. He's only been out there for like three minutes of pop, and that's not really enough time to really make an impact or do anything productive on the court. So we'll see what happens with Mr. Delaney. But I guess at the rate we're going, I think we're going to see little outings here and there sprinkled in, probably ease him into real game time speed. Maybe even late February or late January, he's playing five minutes at a time, seven minutes at a time. Maybe it'll even stretch to ten. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, that 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 sounds a little ambitious there, but but yeah, it, he's really just there to make sure no one gets exhausted on the court with everyone playing an extreme amount of minutes lately, especially with the two injuries. It's not yeah, like you said, it's not an expansive role. He he really doesn't have much time to do much of anything. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. As always, you can follow and subscribe to the podcast on Podomatic, on iTunes, or on Apple Podcasts. You have options and the perk of getting the episodes a little bit earlier, a few hours ahead of when they drop officially on VUHoops.com. So definitely recommend doing that, as well as checking out the website frequently. VUHoops, we will have your updates, your news, 
your stories, and everything you need for this basketball season and beyond. Who knows where we're going to spawn? Who knows where we're going to expand to come springtime? Also, please follow the website on social media, Twitter, and Instagram, at VU Hoops. Kelly does a great job of running the IG. And Twitter, well, that, you know, that's a secret who runs that. You can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at The Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, have a happy Tuesday. If you haven't already, you have until the games tip off Tuesday night. I believe the first one is the Georgetown-St. John's game. Please check out our pick'em contest on viewhoops.com. Get those picks in for this week before so that all the games can count. So far, I did very well the first week. Not so hot the second week. Hopefully, week three will be a lot better for me. But shout out to Ryan Bowman for really holding it down for the staff. I think he's up there in third place right now. So once again, check it out. please. Please, please put your picks in. Maybe you'll get some great bragging rights, and maybe by the end of the season, you'll win a nice prize.